0: Happy Victory Thursday, everybody. We are Dressed for Success, and welcome back to All About America's Team, brought to you by Delahanty Media. I am Ray Nickens, the Speaker of Objectivity, joined today, as always, with... Owen Dechico, And we have a great, fabulous, exciting, extravagant show today. We will grade the $75 million man, as usual, when it comes to Cowboys football... Why the Cowboys got their victory against the Los Angeles Charger. We both have a lot to say about that. And we will share, um, or I will share, if there is a false sense of security for us Cowboys fans and why I think so or why not? I don't think so. I'll leave some suspense up for what my opinions are regarding that. Next, we will revisit... Uh, my fa- favorite segment, "Escape from Reality," where just a reminder, we throw our Cowboys fandom out the window. Don't think about it and talk about the NFL uh, in other departments, whether it be the AFC, uh, NFC West, NFC South—you name it—we're just not going to talk about the Cowboys. So, and finally, we will all we will prep for the Cowboys Week Three Monday Night matchup. Uh, versus the Philadelphia Eagles, and we have a lot to say about that, and I'm very excited to get into that. But first, Owen, what do you have for the news regarding the Dallas Cowboys football team?
1: Well, first of all, uh, happy Victory Thursday. Glad to be here. It's been a great day so far, and I'm really excited about this uh, this episode. Well, Amari Cooper, he uh, hurt his ribs and as Ray and I'm sure Shocking. every other Cowboys fan is knows is that whenever Amari has a bit of an injury, he'll play, but he'll either take himself out mentally or just not not really do much. So that's not really good for Dak and Gang because that's that leaves C D Lamb, who week one didn't didn't really do the greatest catching wise in the beginning and Cedric Wilson and the two tight ends to kind of carry the brunt of the, uh, of the, of the passes, of the passes. So we will see what happens there. Um, Also Keanu Neal, who has been one of my favorite pickups came in close contact with someone and he is not vaccinated. So he will is questionable to play on Monday. Um, Another injury that I think is important that's not for the Cowboys that we will get into later and say how big of an impact it will have is Eagles guard, all pro or all pro Pro Bowl guard Brandon Brooks will not play and he's in the IR, which will be good for hopefully he can return and be healthy. And hopefully it's not season season ending. But for right now, it's good for these young defensive tackles not have to go up against him and other stud guards and stud centers. But I think I think that's about it. And also only other news that came out today was the Eagles rookie coach um wore a beat dallas shirt to his press conference. And there was a lot of a lot of a lot of controversy over that because last time someone wore a beat dallas shirt it was the Giants coach last year and They lost by a lot, so we will see what happens there. Um, Amari said that he'll play. CD said that he looks good, so we'll see, but I don't really know what's going to happen in that department. We will get into that later. So, Ray, the floor is yours.
0: All right, just a quick thought on Amari. He um, ended his 100-yard on-the-road streak last week with – not a stellar performance, but he did have a nice catch at the end of the game. So I applaud him for st- for, for stepping up at the end. But his very, I, I believe he had under fifty yards receiving. So he went from a very very high to a very very low on the road. But still, he got he got that hump past him. He's a hundred yards on the road receiver now. So we'll see if he can bounce back um, on Monday. So and just even with the injury, show that he can play, be success on the field even when he's hurt, which is another milestone that I think he might have to, um, hop over. But anyway, uh, let's get into the game. So, I I was very impressed with the Cowboys on Sunday. I really, I really liked how they emphasized balance. I know that Mike McCarthy talked about and that he wanted to be more balanced. Dak mentioned that he thinks they should have been a little bit more balanced, but it's very easy to say those things and just revert back to what you always want, what you want to be, and what Jerry wants you to be. I think it's very important that I emphasize Jerry because Jerry would rather be flashy and lose than be boring and win, and we've seen that a lot. But just to emphasize uh, balance, they ran the ball 31 times and only threw 27 passes. Um, Tony Pollard had the flash big plays, uh, showed his his importance to the offense with his 100 yards on 13 carries, almost 10 yards per carry. I thought that was very impressive just because we don't really see Tony Pollard very much usually. We usually just see a lot of Zeke, and then he comes in four or five times, but they gave him the ball 13 times. So that proves how much they trust him in the offense going forward. Uh, Zeke, he was a power back. He looked he looked a little bit like the old Zeke. He had 16 rushes for 71 yards. He, uh, I don't believe he would have gotten to 100 yards if they had gave him the ball 10 more times, but who knows. But he still made his presence felt, and he got in the end zone, which I think a lot of fantasy owners were happy about because after the first week, some were probably considering dropping them, dropping him, even though that probably would not have been the best decision, meaning he was probably a top-ten pick. Uh, Dak Prescott, he was, he was efficient. He completed pretty much close to 90% of his passes, but the difference between this week and last week was he took what the defense gave him a lot more and just checked it down, was efficient, but he was not asked to be the man. I guess which is which is odd saying and probably odd listening because you're probably asking yourself, "Ray, he's paying being paid 75 million, why wouldn't they want him to be the man?" Well, I'm glad you asked because as we've seen a lot and last week when you have a balanced game plan and run the ball more than you pass, especially if you can be successful doing that, it takes a lot of pressure off your quarterback and a lot of pressure off your defense because your your offense is on the field longer and the defense is off off the field getting rest. And at the end of the game, we saw that um, having Dak not having a ton of reps throwing the football, handing the ball off a lot more than he threw, he was still able to lead that semi-game-winning drive. I'll get into that later, but it still was a game-winning drive, and I applaud him for that because it's the first time in a long time that he's actually led a Dallas Cowboys game-winning drive. So, congratulations, Dak Prescott, for conducting your game-winning drive. I'm very, very proud of you. Very huge step in earning your paycheck. But um, another thing that I that I have from that I took from the game is the defense stepped up in the red zone. So the Cowboys' defense are a very, very misleading group. If you look on the surface, if you look on the surface, you see, wow, they turn, they take the ball away. They've had. Four turnover or five, six turnovers in the last two games. That's incredible. The problem is they're also giving up. I think the second worst yards per game um, so far. The uh, offenses are going up and down the field on them. We saw that again with the Chargers. Herbert was pretty much getting whatever he wanted, even though that the Cowboys surprisingly were getting pressure from their defensive line, and that's really because of Michael Micah Parsons. They lined him up against. Rashad Slater first, he wasn't having much success. And then they moved him over to the fill-in for uh, a who was out that game. And he just took whatever he wanted from, from that um, poor man uh, lining up at, at right tackle. He was just getting burned every single time. So he was getting the Herbert Herbert had to, was being pushed from his spot, but he was still making pretty, it's some pretty ridiculous throws. He had one on the sideline to Keenan Allen or, that was, that I was like, what the heck? Um, they, I think, um, Jim, or I know Jim and Tony were like, nobody throws that football. And, but it was just, it was just crazy. He was showing off his arm talent. He took advantage of a second year corner, probably thinking that he wasn't going to throw it. He, he threw it anyway, and got the completion, but once they got down to the red zone, the Cowboys, especially in the second half, turned all three drives away from the end zone and forced two field goals and capitalized on an interception because Keenan Allen fell down. So um, so making sure that the, the Chargers did not get in the end zone was, was huge because the Chargers took, took my advice from the last podcast when I was talking about how the Cowboys should, win, should um, try and win the football game is control the clock and the chargers did that very well in the second half i as i was watching i was thinking the cowboys really have not had the ball that long in the second half because the chargers were just chewing up the entire clock but whenever they'd get down to the red zone the cowboys defense stepped up and they and they stopped the chargers from getting in the end zone so I'll talk a little bit more about why I think that was, but I, I'm, I'm going to let Owen jump in here and just give his thoughts on the game. And then I'm going to uh, say what I have to say regarding um, just some some Chargers miscues. But Owen, what do you got?
1: I completely agree with everything you said. Uh, one of the things that definitely stuck out to me was about the running game. I know a lot of people were saying that Tony Pollard deserves to – to get the bulk of the carries, and there, there were some times out the game that I felt that way that Tony looked like the the better back. But I want to read you a stat, and we 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 can, if if you want to talk about it, we can. So, based since twenty nineteen, Zeke has had five hundred and seventy two carries. Tony Pollard it has two hundred and three. Now, so obviously Zeke has had over three hundred more carries. So now they now they broke it down to 20-yard gains. Just 20-yard runs. Mm-hmm. Zeke has had 7, Tony Pollard has has had 10, which is kind of insane cuz when 2016 when the Cowboys drafted Zeke, all you saw was was like the, was a sudden burst and everything like that, but I don't think that there's any type of rivalry in the running back room. I'm more than happy with the fact that Zeke just turned into, like Ray said, a power back. And then as soon as the defensive line gets tired of tackling him, you just, you put Tony Pollard out there and then he takes over. Um, and Tony Pollard is becoming a really underappreciated running back. And I'm looking forward to what else he can prove ever since that game last year against the 49ers, where he broke seven tackles. He, he's, everyone decided to start talking about him. Um, one thing I want to say that I think we, I think that everyone, every Cowboy fan, every football fan should give Terrence Steele a round of applause. I was, I bashed the man to Ray. I was not a fan of what he had to offer from last year. And Joey Bosa played 51 snaps, had zero sacks, zero tackles for loss, and zero QB hits. Now, Terrence was not by himself. Dalton Schultz blocked him in the red zone. He, he single-handedly blocked Jerry Bosa by himself and threw him to the ground. So Terrence had a heck of a game, and I don't feel as bad as I did about the right tackle position that I did before this game. So hopefully he can build on this. And People, people have always said, find yourself a, a woman that loves you the way that the Cowboys love Terrence Steele because after last year, there were some games where he had no business being on a football team and he showed that he was able to work on the work in the off season and look like Lyle Collins or look like not Terrence Steele based off what his performance last year. Another uh, player that we should talk about a rookie, uh defensive tackle, Osa Odigi Zoo. I'm very sorry for mispronouncing his name. He had five pressures, four quarterback hurries, and finished the game with a run grade of eighty three point four, which was the highest on the team. And I saw, him, I heard multiple times them talking about him and how how disruptive he was, and it was great because I know Ray and I can talk about how the Cowboys haven't had a good defensive tackle since David Irving, and he wasn't even a defensive tackle; he was just taller than everyone and could run past everyone. Um, yeah. And, Parsons, he single-handedly took over the game. He did what everyone thought that Joey Bosa would do to the Cowboys. Um, I did. I do not think that that the sack that he has should have been a sack. But that's that's a. We could have a whole whole podcast about how bad that call was. Um, but I'm very very uh, happy with his performance. As Ray knows, he's probably mentioned it before. I didn't want Micah Parsons. And, slowly, and surely, slowly but surely, he is showing us and the rest of the football world how good he is. And he should have been, if he continues to play like this, he should have been a top five pick. But obviously, all these teams were quarterback hungry, which messed up the draft board a little bit. Um, Trayvon Diggs, he needs to have a better game this week. He cannot let his former Alabama teammate, Devante Smith have a great game. He had that one amazing interception, but he got burned a lot. I don't know if that was necessarily because it was in man or zone. I think most of it was in zone. So it just depends on obviously is like what zone who else was in there. But he did get burned a lot and he was he was running a lot. But I think that's also Casey, our the the new safety, the one of the achilles trio had i i haven't i've have not been watching cowboy football as long as ray has but i have not seen a safety in my Cowboys experience that good and that close to the football since jeff heath the only reason why i bring him up is because he always led the cowboys and in interceptions he wasn't good by any means but he was always around the football and i am I'm very much looking forward to seeing what else he can bring to the table along with when Donovan Wilson comes back. Because right now, after last last week's performance, KZ may may take some snaps away from Donovan Wilson. I hope not. But this is the first time where you have multiple competent safeties, which is why when they signed all these guys, I was excited about it. Because before their injuries, they were – one of, they were always talked about as being top safeties on that Falcons defense when they were when that defense was elite. And the last thing I want to talk about, and we can we can move on. Jalen Smith did not, or Jalen Smith and Leighton Van Der Esch did not have the, the best of games. Jalen had Jalen had that one wasn't even a pass deflection, the ball was thrown behind the tight end or wide receiver, uh, because of Parsons. And Leighton, he had he had, he had a good alright game. Both Leighton and Jalen had were bad in the run. They both had, I think, sub like sub fifty run grades. But one thing I want to talk about, and then we can move on. I was going through YouTube, and I don't know if anyone knows that the Cowboys used a few years ago used to have a sounds from the sidelines segment. For like a, it was a few minutes, they just t- they would have microphones, kind of like hard knocks, but just cowboys and it was more exciting, in my opinion. And I watched the 2018 one because that's that's the last one that they had. 2018 Seahawks game, and it's crazy how good that linebacking core was, and how much how like how talked about they were. I haven't seen Leighton do his iconic wolf howl in almost since 20, 2018, basically. So it was good to see them be good and Jalen look halfway decent but it was it was the game was very good overall I don't think that the Cowboys should have won that game but I'm I'll take a win and I think Greg Greg the leg he showed that he that he has a spot on this team and that he's not going he wasn't going anywhere regardless but I think that he cemented himself and he gained a lot of confidence from this but yeah, it was an overall really good game, and hopefully, like Mike McCarthy said, they can use this game and help them across the rest of the season to string a, string together a few more wins until Demarcus Lawrence gets there. Because that's when that's when I'm glad that he that he's coming back when he is, because that's when they're gonna
0: need him the most. Yeah, uh, um, I just wanna. I'm gonna go through. Your three guys that you mentioned earlier on. I'm yeah. gonna start with Tony Pollard. You you brought up the stats regarding carries between him and Zeke. I think it's very it's very important that you mention the total of carries because I don't Tony pa- Pollard is not a running back that you're gonna that's a bell cow running back. He's he's a, he's a Darren Sproles on steroids. Why I say that is because Darren Sproles was very similar to Tony Pollard. He was their the Eagles' third down back, and also he played for the played for the Chargers. Pretty much played anywhere. He he bounced around the league, at, but he's, he was with the the Eagles for the longest. But he was their third down pass out of the backfield, and he would kill the Cowboys on those screen passes usually. But they used they used Tony Pollard a little bit more than Darren Sproles in the running game. And I think that's fine because Tony Pollard is a great change of pace back where um, he can come in on later on in the drive and get some, get some gashes, which is nice, but he is in no means ready to get the ball 24, 25 times. So that's why I, th- and that's why I think it was great for Zeke to have a, a solid game where he got 16, 16 carries and got past that 50-yard mark because it proves that he can still get that done. Um, moving on to steel. I was also extremely impressed with Terrence Steele and the fact that he was able to keep um, Dak Prescott fairly clean or very clean with Joey Bosa lined up on him. Um, Yeah, he, I think looking back on it now, I, I think one of the reasons why he was so bad is because he played with the, a lot of other holes on the offensive line. So he didn't have that stability with Zach Martin next to him, Tyron Smith on the opposite side. Um, Connor Will, well, I guess Connor Williams would. They both Connor Williams and McGovern probably played a lot, so there wasn't very there wasn't a strength on the offensive line, so there were a lot of holes they could just kind of tee up on him. He didn't really have any help, so it was a lot harder. So I think I think he probably did progress a lot, but I also think it was a lot it was a lot more helpful with all those pieces around him. And regarding just a quick note on Dalton Schultz, he should be in there more than Blake Jarwin because I've seen Dalton Schultz in the passing game. He's a Solid pass catcher, and then he can also block a lot better than than Blake Jarwin. And so he should be on the field more because he's he's a more all around serviceable tight end than Blake Jarwin. Yeah, one hundred
1: percent. I don't mean to. I'll say one thing, and you can go when when Jarwin came into the league. He, like like people said before, he's a wide receiver in a tight end's body. But when they drafted Schultz, he was just primarily a run blocker. I think he had under five catches his rookie year. And then when Jarwin went down you're not going to be able to, to sign a, a tight end and the cowboys would never draft a tight end so he had to go in there and he had to catch the ball and something that he didn't really something that he rarely did at stanford so you know, i was very happy with what he did last last game last season and i'm glad that it's translating into
0: the past two the past two weeks yeah and then just lastly o- osa i'm just going to say osa i'm not going to try and say his last name um I liked I liked that he he was he was getting pressure. It just shows that they, we have people who we can fill in and get pressure. So it puts it just and I know he probably he doesn't play DeMarcus Lawrence's position. You mentioned that he was at defensive tackle. So I it just it makes the guys who are starting not get complacent cuz I feel like the problem was for a long time, and this could be translated. This could be for Demarcus Lawrence as well. Is when you don't have someone behind you who can, you know, push for your job. It's easy to get complacent. And I know he's been. You talked about he's great against the run, but it would probably be able. And but especially this year, I've seen a little bit more from Demarcus Lawrence in the fact that he's getting, he's getting push on on passing plays. He's making a little bit harder. He made a little bit harder week one, um, for for uh, the offensive lineman he was playing against and i haven't really seen that much before so i think with all these new guys in the in the locker room all these new rookies who are you know who are um playing their butt off practicing hard learning being serviceable coming in giving good minutes and and playing time it's just making these veterans a little bit more uh not as complacent and um, everyone's kind of doing their roles a little bit better. And that's why I think the defense has looked better in situations with taking the ball away is because they're just playing a lot harder. Uh, playing hard. is not going like, to make you play well, but it's going to put you in you know better decisions to be successful more than not. So I think as the season goes on, if they continue to do that. Their defense will improve. And I so- think
1: that that's a, a testimony to how well Mike and company have drafted. I saw a, a a tweet earlier of mostly a lot of the contributors on this team are obviously not like the stars that were there when Jason was there, but a lot of the the rookies that are starting are the rookies and the younger guys, Mike drafted in company. So I think that if you you can bat anyone can bash Mike for anything, but the one thing that he deserves props for is drafting well, because I don't think with Jason they would have drafted these defensive tackles or the corners that they drafted. And we haven't seen nation Wright go out and play. I wish they would, but I don't think that we would have had the same draft classes if it was under uh, Jason Lenahan and the other defensive Rod Marinelli, who for some reason was not a fan of big defensive tackles. He liked guys like David Irving small like thin tall only big guy that he drafted was the guy from UCF I forgot his name who's he tore his ACL last year he was the one that caused issues in the locker room not as in locker room he fell asleep in a meeting I forgot his name um so yeah I think that Mike McCarthy has done wonders drafting wise and I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do next draft because I think that for the first time, safety isn't as big of a need due to Donovan Wilson, Casey, and Malik Cooker, but we shall see if we will retain them in free agency. Uh, But yeah, Ray, I thought that what you said was great. And do you want want to head right into um, the the reality check or did you want to say more?
0: Uh, I just want to quickly mention... Uh, just some chargers miscues cuz i i don't want those to be swept under the rug cuz oh, they were very very key to uh the outcome of this game. So the Chargers they they had a, a mistakes come in bunches on offense. They drove they every drive the 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 Sa- the Los Angeles Chargers not the San Diego Chargers. They they drove the ball past the Dallas 50 on every drive and got past the 40 even and but and never they never had to punt they never turned it over on downs their only I guess turnovers came on interceptions but 10 out of the 11 penalties that they had as a team came on offense and usually they came out they negated a big play uh, two of those penalties they they came on touchdown passes the first penalty was that, was that um, illegal man downfield, I believe, or illegal touching on that deep touchdown pass that Herbert threw. And that came right on the drive, right before he ended up throwing an interception in the end zone. Second one was the final drive where he threw it to Jared Cook, and they had some sort of penalty. I'm not really entirely sure what the penalty was anymore, but they had a penalty. It negated the touchdown, and Herbert ended up getting sacked, and they had to kick the field goal. So – uh, the Chargers they don't they they don't commit those penalties, they they left they left um, eleven points on the board, and that's the difference between uh, the the winning and losing. So that I just thought that was very um very important as to why mm-hmm. why the Cowboys won It's because the Chargers were just they 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 had way too many penalties and penalties will get you beat. So that's that's one of the reasons why I think that the Chargers should have won the football game and the reason why the Cowboys did did win the football game. Now, that being said, uh, the Cowboys did win the game. They were able to take advantage of those mistakes by the Chargers, so they deserve all the credit for being able to do that. So I don't want to take anything away from the Cowboys in that regard. So just really quickly, um, I saw a little bit of reason in that game to kind of to see why – having a false sense of security after two weeks is a bad idea for a, for a Cowboys fan. And that's just really in the final drive. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna kind of break down the final drive and how I saw it. So we got the ball and we had three minutes and 45 seconds. So plenty of time. And usually in the three in like the three two minute drill, um, when I when I watch the Cowboys with Romo or with Brady or whoever, you, they, they, you know, push the ball, try and get past the 50 and then maybe kind of, they go a little bit more quick, they go a little bit quicker. So they're not, they're not going to have a, have the struggle of running out of time. So they usually just try and get to the past around the 50 yard line, uh, and a little bit of a quicker pace. And as soon as they get past the 50 and get a little bit closer to field goal range, then you start to see a little bit slower, getting up to the ball, maybe, chewing a little bit of clock, uh, running the football a little bit doing stuff like that. The difference between that and what the Cowboys did is they pretty much decided we are going to chew the heck out of this clock. So they were running the football in between the tackles, um, short passes in inside the line of scrimmage they were taking a little bit longer to get the ball to get the ball snapped. There were some audibles being called. And, I mean, they made it to the 50 fairly easily. They were getting what they wanted. But then as soon as they got to that 50, I think the only the, – the best the best play that McCarthy called actually on that drive was that, like, reverse sweep to Pollard. Because what that did is it got him outside and there wasn't a huge pile on the football. So um, he was able to get up and they were able to get set and just kind of run run down the clock. Um I see if that if they weren't in the situation of where they were trying to burn the entire clock, then that would have been a really great play because then they were they would be able to get back on the line and potentially spike it or run another play. So I actually thought that was a good play that he called, however in in the wrong situation. But um getting back into that so they they got to they got the first down and they had were about at the chargers, I believe the 40 and they just burned the entire clock and ended up kicking the fifty-six yard field goal, which luckily he made it. I, 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 for one did not think that he was going to make that field goal just because I feel like that the the NFL gods were going to be like, you just wasted thirty seconds, so you deserve to miss this field goal and to go into overtime. But sure enough, he made it, so that was nice. But what I took out, what I took from that drive, is two two of the same situations, and both times I'm like the Cowboys coaching staff does not fully trust putting the game in their quarterback's hands. What I mean by that. So the first game, they decided to kick a field goal on fourth and one, instead of letting Dak try and go get the first down and pretty much secure the game. Like, like the Raven and just a example, um, John Harbaugh gave the gave put the ball in Lamar's hands. He said, "Hey, you want to go for it and get the first down?" He's like, "Yeah, hell yeah, let's get the first down," and they ended up gaining the first down and winning the game. So I think in the in that situation, you can either kick the field goal or you can give the ball back to Tom Brady, and they chose to kick the field goal, and that's why they lost. In this situation, they got to the forty, and they were they were totally okay with burning out all the clock not wanting Dak to make a mistake or turn the ball over and kick the field goal. Now I think it was probably a good idea to chew the cl- One of the arguments that you could say is they didn't want to give the ball back to Herbert and have him have too much time. But once you're past the 50 and if if they kept doing what they were doing, they were they're more than capable on offense to chew clock past the 50 and get get out of there with a the win. So I just think that it's a little bit of a concerning that two games in a row, they took the ball out of the quarterback's hands and would much rather have the kicker decide the game than the quarterback. So that's just maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they, maybe I'm thinking too much into it, but that's just what I got out of it. And, and regarding or despite whatever feelings I have about Dak as a quarterback, if he's overpaid, underpaid, whatever, um, I still would rather him be in control of the game and not the head coach.
1: Can I comment or do you want to do want to move on? No,
0: comment. Go ahead. Um I I'm I
1: have the thinking of what you said earlier about not giving the ball back to Herbert because I feel that if they just scored a, if they kick the field goal really really quickly, Herbert you're not stopping Herbert with a minute and 30 seconds left. Yeah, I'm I'm not that's not a testament to how good he is. That's just a testament to how bad that that defense was outside of the red zone.
0: Oh yeah. I totally, I totally agree. Like you, you don't kick the field goal with a minute left. I'm just saying, instead of, you know, burning the clock and having your kicker kick a 56 yard field goal, try and get at least 10 yards closer Mm -hmm. and then just maybe run one or two more plays. Mm
1: -hmm. And I, I I could break down things where Dak isn't a two minute drill and, I think that Dak is at his best when when he's calling the plays and surveying the defense and audibling and not and doing things like that. But I I do think that sometimes his hands are tied behind his back. I don't know if that's because of Kellen because Kellen does call the plays. Obviously McCarthy does the game plan, but I don't know whose fault that is. But I do think that Dak's hands are tied behind his back. Um and that, that that can go back to Linehan days where they would run the ball three or two down, the first and second down, and then it'd be like third and eight, and then Dak would have to just try to go from there. Hopefully, we will not be in a situation like this. Hopefully, we can blow out a team at some point in time. I have to worry about mm-hmm. all this. Um, but I think there are a lot of coaches that have time management issues. I saw a tweet where Andy Reid has had issues before. Mike McCarthy's not the best coach, not the worst coach, but he definitely needs to figure out. I just didn't like how he blended on the clock because I don't think that's the issue at all. Because he's had he's had issues like this in the past, so I don't I, I don't think it's fair to say that every single stadium just the can't the the clock goes down with thirty with a minute and thirty left. Um, I don't like when you pass the blame, but he's gonna do what he's gonna do.
0: Yeah, but, yeah. That's a I'm good I'm just glad that's that
1: you kicked point. it. Cause I think that the, that the way of thinking is that if if you if you kill the clock, if he misses it, you go on overtime. And then you either get the ball first or you just pray that they kick a field goal at the of the interception. But if you if the game was tied, so you kind of just have to like hold on to the ball and just not let it go. And I don't think that it was for Dak to not because Dak had one bad throw. He had one very, very bad interception. Dax do for one of those every every now and then, where you just like, what in the world was that?
0: Oh, he and- also had that. He also had that throw in the end zone that should have been intercepted as well, but luckily it was dropped. So he True. and that's just and that's just him getting away with it. So I'm not gonna you know slam him for that. He got lucky and that's good. Yeah. you need to be lucky to win. So yeah, yeah, of course. yeah. yeah. Well, but I- anyway. Mike, yeah, I Mike saw. Needs
1: to get his stuff together.
0: Yeah. Um, Xavier, I see your question. Who is better, Amari or CD? <sighs> I mean, I definitely. Oh, look at that. I see it on my screen. I think that Amari, he is a more, he's the veteran, so he has more experience. But I would rather have CD on my football team just for, because of the the chan- like the chance for greatness. CD has has a ton of talent and he's on his way to becoming that number 1 and I think he's going to be a lot more reliable than Amari. So I'm just going to say at this time Amari is probably the more the more better receiver just based on experience, but I definitely believe that CD is going to be the best receiver on the team by mid by mid season.
1: I also agree I think Amari is the better Um, wide receiver, both wide receivers have a bad case of the drops every now and then. And I don't know what that's a testament to, because all throughout the offseason, all you see is them catching, doing catching drills and stuff. So I have, I, I think CD, it's all mental and him trying to run and get those yards after catch. I don't think CD is going to be the number one midseason unless for whatever reason, this rib injury pro is has he has to go on IR for for a few weeks. I saw earlier Michael Gallup is already on the the cords, I guess they call them, where they run. I I think you know what I'm talking about. So he'll be he's looking good. So he has two more weeks left. And Cedric Wilson he looked really good too. So I don't think that I'm glad that we're in the situation we have now rather than 2018 where our best wide receiver was Alan Hearns, and we had a whole bunch of other people that were no ones. But sadly, one of these two are going to have to be the number one next year because I don't think that they're going to be able to retain Gallup unless this injury does take over his season and he we get him back on the cheap. But as yeah. th- this season, Amari will be the number one unless his rib injury hurts him or unless... Knock on wood. His foot injury, his foot surgery, does not come back up. But CD, yes, he is the most. He, it was it was a it was a, a travesty that he fell to the number that he did. I know that Nick our our bo- our boss, quote unquote, he was he wanted CD at at their pick. I'm sure a lot of people wanted CD at the pick before pick 17 when the Cowboys got him. And I think that he that he has that chip on his shoulder that he was that he fell in the draft. I just don't think this year is his year. I know I was rambling, but basically Amari's number one for this year, and then CD will have a chance to overtake
0: it next year. But yeah, great question, buddy. Uh, sorry yeah. about your Steelers. <laughs> um, so let's let's just forget about the Chargers game and uh, move on and transition into my favorite segment escape from reality so just another breakdown just another recap of what that is we stopped talking about the cowboys we each get five minutes to share three things that we liked or were surprised about um from week two in the nfl so owen once again four is yours you got five minutes what do you think what what surprised you or what did you like about week two
1: now, I didn't watch a lot of football this past week. i was without the Cowboys game because I had a lot of tests. So thank you, Baylor. But the three the three storylines that I saw that were the craziest. Now, if Alex, if you're watching, you're gonna love this. Zach Wilson, four interceptions. Just round of applause to you, buddy. BYU <laughs> kid, Mormon Mahomes, D- being being a real jet, throwing four interceptions. I don't even think Sam Darnold could do that. Winston. <laughs> He put up a whopping, what, six points? Seven points against the Panthers. Mm -hmm. Now, the Panthers, I'm worried about that. I'm worried about their team because their defensive line is really good. So they're going to cause a lot of teams issues if their offensive line is not strong. And Winston, I don't – putting up a touchdown. I didn't watch the game, so maybe he just – maybe he looked good. But that stat line wasn't the greatest given off how many people were calling him an MVP candidate after week one, and the Ravens win. I know in our fantasy group chat, we talked about this for upwards of an hour, but it was it was an interesting game, kind of like the game a few years ago. It wasn't as high scoring, but it was back and forth with the Rams-Chiefs game when good old Jared Goofball was the quarterback. Um, Yeah, it was... It was it was good to see it was good to see Mahomes mess up. It was good to see him make an errant throw like that. And it was also good to see his brother spill water on someone, but nothing will happen to him. And Lamar Lamar had a Lamar did well. Besides that, pick six to Tyron Matthew. He's he no one can stop him running wise. No one can. And yep. the Ravens. Even though they don't have a quote-unquote traditional running back because of injuries, Lamar is their best passer, runner. He could probably be their best catcher of the football if he threw it up to himself and ran a 40 and caught it. Uh, so, yeah, th- those are my three. Hopefully, Zach Wilson can rebound next in the further because I don't think that anyone, not even Joe Douglas, I think that's the GM's name, wants to see him play this this poorly. But,
0: yeah, wh- what are your three? Yeah, Um, so just really quickly, uh, yeah, it was tough to see Zach Wilson struggle, but, I mean, I saw a clip of um, just a clip of one of his interceptions where nobody on the the offensive line did anything. They were just kind of joking about one guy was on his back, one guy just let another Patriots player pass him, blah, blah, blah. So I think it's always tough when you're a rookie and you don't have very many pieces at your disposal or much protection. You're going to get basically – um, thrown to the Wolves and shown no mercy by Bill Belichick defense. So he, it's good that he got that out of the way early. Hopefully he can learn from that and just move on. And the, the Lamar Jackson take, I think the biggest thing I took from that is he was able to shake off the two early interceptions and basically play flawless for the rest of the game. And make Mahomes make the mistake. Mahomes did make the mistake. Tried to do too much, through the interception, and that just kickstarted the Ravens' comeback. So it was that was a, it was a fantastic game. Really enjoyed watching it, and um, really excited for both teams. I think both the Ravens and the Chiefs are a Super Bowl um, contender at, for sure. So the three things that I have regarding the escape from reality is first Derrick Henry and the Titans, their comeback victory versus Russell Wilson, the Seahawks. So the Titans, they they basically showed why they're a force And when they give the ball to 22 and he gets going because Henry, he really hurt my feelings in fantasy. I was destined to win by a lot of points, and then Henry got loose in the fourth quarter and scored three touchdowns, and all of a sudden I'm down 40 points when I was up 20, 30 minutes ago. So that was, that was tough, um, but they were able – the, the Tynes defense, who's not as serviceable as they were when they played the Cowboys back when they had Kevin Byard on their team, but they stopped Russell Wilson in overtime. That's hard to do, but they got it done. And then the wide receiver-turned-quarterback Ryan Tannehill led them on a game-winning um, field goal in overtime. So I thought that was a great win for Tennessee. And they got some momentum where they won't be playing Sam Ellinger, but they will be playing Jacob Eason. So they will probably have a lot of turnovers in that game. So I'd suggest picking up the Titans D if you need a defense. Next how, one. How
1: many weeks is Wentz out? Because he doesn't have one ankle injury. He has two
0: ankle injuries. I'm gonna I'm gonna say a I'm gonna say a um a conservative four weeks. I'm gonna say conservative four weeks.
1: Because he came back from ankle surgery in less than two months, so right. But I think fast. I
0: think it when it comes to sprains, like ankle sprains, it's kind of varies. But I'm just gonna say conservative four weeks because he has two ankle sprains.
1: Good old Wentz living up to his first round potential.
0: Exactly. But next, I got the I have Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater. He has been very serviceable and efficient. Um, with the with the Broncos so far, completing almost. Eighty percent of his passes, is four touchdown has not turned the ball over, and um, Broncos are two and zero. So he's basically shown that with the Broncos' defense, if they get a serviceable quarterback in there who's not going to turn the ball over, they're going to win. Hence, I mean, I mean saying that they have not played the strongest competition so far, but I think they've shown a winning formula on how to win in the NFL. You just you play good defense and you manage your opportunities well, and you don't turn the football over. So I think if Teddy Bridgewater can stay healthy and continue to play the way he is, the Broncos should be a tough matchup for anybody, especially especially um, moving forward and going into the playoffs. And then finally, I have Mac Jones. So Mac Jones, he's he hasn't had the biggest numbers in the world or the most touchdowns, but he's been the best rookie so far by uh, so far out of the class. He's been play, He's been playing efficient football. Uh, he's been taking what the defense gives him. He's not turning the football over, and he's basically uh, one fumble from his running back away from being undefeated. And that fumble came inside the Dolphins' ten-yard line. They were going in the score, and the running back fumbled. So he, they could, the Patriots could easily be two and zero. And I think um, next week is a really big test for him playing against the Saints. And I think if he plays well versus the Saints, then. It can give him a lot of give the Patriots a lot of momentum going into um, the game where Brady takes on Belichick for the first time in his career, and I'm very looking forward to that game. So, those are the three things that I took away from this week, um, in week two, and I'm excited for week three. But but yeah, um, let's get into let's get into next week if you're ready.
1: Oh, I am more than ready, sir. I I, ha- I have quite the stat. No, All right. I was I was surveying or going over ESPN just to see the what happened with the the Eagles game last week. And I and for some reason they had like the division breakdown and like points for and points against <laughs> Washington, yeah. they've scored fifty nine points, but they've let up forty four, which is very surprising because that defense was supposed to be like the the second coming of The Steelers, Ravens, good old defensive dynasties. Philadelphia has scored 43 points, but is only allowed 23, which is scary. Now, the the, the 23 is a little weird because the Falcons couldn't score anything. Um, Dallas has scored 49, but has let up 48, which is another issue. And the New York football giants have... Scored 42 and led up 57. um. So, yeah. So that I found very interesting in the NFC East, the NFC Least division.
0: Yeah. The, the NFC Least is uh, quite a division, but I think they are a lot more competitive than anyone anticipated. Of course. But moving up, but like just to transition into week three, so – um, our Dallas Cowboys, conducted by Dak Prescott, they square off with Jalen Hurts and the surprisingly competitive Philadelphia Eagles on Monday night on the far superior broadcast but with Eli Manning and Peyton Manning. And if I were to pull up a ratings chart, they would be beating the regular Monday Night Football broadcast, which I think is quite amazing, considering that Monday Night Football has not had a great has really not had a great broadcast for a while now. But uh, it's, it's John Gruden probably, right? Because Boomer yeah. and Esiason was horrendous. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and John those, Gruden. Those, I'm sorry, not, sure. not Boomer,
1: the other guy. Yeah. Booger, Booger, that was his name. Was so bad.
0: Yeah. John Gruden, while he he has shown a little bit of promise in, in the NFL, he really um, – his booth days are, are missed. But they're not missed anymore because the – the undefeated season stopper Eli Manning is now conducting the booth with his brother and Hall of Famer Peyton Manning. But let's just quickly, as we consistently do on the show, congratulate Eli Manning for stopping Tom Brady and the undefeated New England Patriots from securing that undefeated perfect season. We really appreciate your services. You've done a lot for this NFL community. And anybody, follow Eli Manning on Twitter. He is very funny. But yeah, that's that. We can just move on now. So, what's at stake in this game? They're the Cowboys and Eagles. They're both one and one, and a division game against anybody, anybody is always tough, especially the Cowboys and Eagles. Those are always really hard fought. They're always pretty close, and they always come down to I think one mistake by what by one team late in the game. So, whoever wins this game, they'll be in pretty much in control of the division through the three weeks, depending on what Washington does, but Owen, I'm going to give the four to you to start this, um, okay. This, um, this segment and, um, just, I know there's, there's some injuries. We talked a little bit about them earlier on, but just kind of give us an insight into the Philadelphia Eagles injury tent. And then you can just give your thoughts on the game. Just quickly transition into that. Only injury that I
1: saw that, that's big is Brandon Brooks. And, um, their defensive lineman, is a de- uh, defensive end, fifty-five Graham, I think. Mm-hmm. I think he tore something. His yeah, the two candy. two Brandons. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. So which is big because Brandon Graham is he has he a captain, one of the best players in that defense. But it'll it'll be interesting to see how they adapt to help without to if they can get any pass rush without him. The One thing that I want to say before we get into this game now, if you look at Jalen Hurts stat sheet last week, looks great 190 yards, like 23 of 24, or 23 or 24 completed passes. But in he had a 91 yard pass, which obviously inflates anything. If you take away that 91 yard pass, his yard per attempt were four and a half. If you look up Week Two Jalen Hurts stats, it is mostly screens and slants. Screens and s- screens are not are not highlights. I could throw a screen, and I'm five eight or five nine. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Hopefully, I think the biggest key to this game is Micah not being a defensive end but being a linebacker and shadowing Jalen, because no one on this defense can catch up to Jalen hurts besides Micah. And I don't even want to let Casey or Wilson get to him because then if that's the problem, then hurts will have already gotten past everyone else. And the biggest, the biggest offensive weapon besides Devante is, or besides hurts is Devonta, Devonta Smith and, I wish Kelvin Joseph was playing this game because as we talked about in detail, Kelvin, Kelvin, yeah, he, when, when Kentucky played Alabama, it's his last season of college football. He locked them up. It was great sight for sore eyes to see a good cornerback on the Dallas Cowboys or drafted good corner. Um the last time the Cowboys played the Eagles week 15 of 2020, Dallas beat them 37 to 17 on the coattail, riding the coattails of Trayvon Diggs, having two interceptions, and that was without Dak. And the last time they lost was the Ben DiNucci game, which we all know very well. Hertz has not thrown interception at all this season, which is great for him, but not not very good for us. Talking about Turnovers. The Cowboys lead the NFL in, in turnovers, and they had the best turnover different. Uh, they have the best turnover rate, which is pretty great for the Cowboys. But I, I think that the key to this game is trying to run the ball. The Eagles have always had a really good defensive line, really weak secondary, and if Zeke and Tony Pollard can can get a lot of yards, okay, run the ball for sixty minutes. But if they can't. Dak has shown that he is able to have the 350 yards to 400-yard games and the Cowboys be successful. It's not the best way to win a football game, the Cowboys at least, but I think that the Cowboys are in a really good position because week one, they almost beat the best defense in the league by throwing, and then last week, they torched the Chargers by running the ball. And I think that you don't have to – I think the worst thing you can do is going into one game and being set on running or throwing. You just have to go in and suit the defense gives you, which which is my biggest issue with Ray or other people saying to just run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, because you can't run the ball week one. It's like running into a brick wall. That didn't do anything. Zeke didn't do much. He had one big he had one big gain. And is Dak at his, is are the Cowboys at their best when Dak throws the ball a lot? No. They have high-scoring games. Like I, I think this past week was the first time in a very long time that they've won a game without scoring more than thirty points, which is kind of crazy. But I I think that they should definitely run the ball. Zeke has always had Zeke and Amari have had good games against against the Eagles in prior years, minus last season. And I'm looking forward to seeing how how this game can get i'm not the most positive about it and we can and i'll talk about that when i do score predictions but i it's gonna be interesting i don't really know because hurts hurts i don't know if hurts is gonna look like the past two weeks or if he's gonna go into dallas and look like the last year against them and make a lot of dumb decisions but i i honestly have no idea what to expect for this game um and I just hope that they decide to run the ball early, see what happens and if not let let Dak throw to a half a rip Cage Jamari or CD and go from there. So I'm I, I don't really have a lot for this game. I tried to, but I don't really know what's going what's going to happen given the things that I said. But I know I know you have a lot to say, so I'm looking forward to what you have to say.
0: Yeah, I think I think the biggest key for this game is the Cowboys to come out of the tunnel with an identity. And what I mean by that is just a, a system of football that they want to play. So I mentioned that is because that goes into a lot of what I say about establishing the the run. The Dallas Cowboys build up their offensive line so they can be more balanced so and now that they're all back and they're all healthy i think it's important that they live up to that promise and establish the running game i'm not saying that they just you know turn they put a blindfold over their eyes and say we're going to run the ball even if it's not working that's completely not what i'm saying i think that they should throw the ball if they if they need to throw the ball but i think having it going into every game saying all right since this defense isn't very good at, at stopping the run, we're going to run. Or since this defense is weak corners, we're going to throw more. I think you let the you go out there with an identity, and then you make adjustments based on the game is how the game is going. A uh, Quick example: back in 2014, the Cowboys played the Tennessee Titans. That was the last full, pretty much full season. Tony Romo was the Dallas Cowboys quarterback. And I mentioned that game is because when they played the Titans, they got in a 21 to nothing hole from a pick six and then another fumble or something. They were down 21, nothing. So normally in that sense, you'd probably think, gosh, they got to throw the football because they're down 21 points, but it was still really early on in the game. And what the Cowboys did is they stuck to their identity. They kept running the ball with Murray. They, they slowly, but surely chewed, um, chewed into that lead. And then by the end of the game, they had won the game by 10 points. So I think it's if 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 you can be your identity and stick to your identity, there is no reason to change to change that unless you're forced to change it. So that's just my whole thing with running. Now to just to get into the game to the actual game plan is the Eagles' offense. They've they've, be, they've turned into a pretty competent group. Miles Sanders is a very effective running back. Uh, Greg Ward Jr. is serviceable. We don't really know much about Jalen Rager, but he's made some splash plays this th- in the first few games of this year. And then Devontae Smith being the Heisman Trophy winner, um, he needs to be accounted for. And I think that they, like Jalen Hurts, he's shown he can do damage on the ground and through the air versus a below-average defense, um, especially the Falcons' defense. And... Uh, the Cowboys aren't very much better than the Falcons' defense, except for they take the ball away. So I think that um, Jalen Smith will be able to beat us if we're not careful. So uh, Eagles' defense, they also have some de- the, They have some good players. Darius Slay and Fletcher Cox are by far the best players on their team. But then they have they have uh, serviceable um, Ryan Kerrigan, who is a little bit older, but he's can fill in on the front four. And then Rodney McLeod is a decent safety in the secondary. But um, I I checked the injury report. He's he's questionable. He might not play. That happened with Chris Harris Jr. last year where he said um, he's probably going to be an influencer of the game. And then he ended up not even playing. But so I think in regards to that, especially with the, the Eagles front seven being compromised with Brandon Graham not being there, I think the Cowboys can run the football effectively against this defense, but I also think that they can take advantage like you said in the passing game. So one of the ways I think the Cowboys or what I think the Cowboys game plan should be is they should tr- they should run the ball and then play use the play action off the run. Cuz I think I think especially if they can get the front seven get them out of their out of the box um, get them out of the box and then just get those that safety up in the in the, I'm sorry that doesn't make any sense. If they can get the defense into a box and bring the safety down, then they can beat them with a uh, CD Lamb and and even a even a hurt uh, Mari Cooper. Uh, just they start with the ball, give Zeke get Zeke going in a in a NFCs matchup, big division game. Got to get Zeke going. Got to get him into the game so he's fresh. He's gonna give his best effort. I'm sure it's a division game. So I think they have to ep- emphasize that that's really important. <laughs> um, so another thing that I think needs to be in the game plan, they ca- Cowboys cannot get greedy. They cannot have unforced errors in the passing game. Dak cannot turn the ball over trying to get chunk plays down the field. He's done a very great job of that so far, just taking what the defense giving is giving him short. Um, I definitely think that there's going to be big plays down the field. But um, just kind of, you we gotta be patient on those and just uh, be ready for them and then capitalize. Dak does not need to play hero ball if he does not need to, because that would get us beat, especially against the Eagles. He just needs to be the man and manage the game like he did last week, and we should be okay. Um, Jalen Hurts, he's gonna he's gonna put the ball in harm's way. For sure, he hasn't done that very much so far, but last year he showed that he's going to turn the ball over. So when he puts the ball in in the harm's way, defense has got to capitalize on that. And they've done a great job so far of capitalizing on on the ball being on the ground or the ball being um, near the corner and just taking advantage of getting those interceptions. But that needs to be emphasized. Um, (laughs) Thanks, Alex. Appreciate it. Um. Yeah, what else? What else? What else? Oh, um. So, talk about. Um, just gonna very quickly touched on the special teams because special teams was kind of a problem last week with uh that rough, rough roughing the kicker first down. So what I I wrote on my on my notes I said don't get cute and that's mainly just with special teams not giving up dumb penalties and. Giving the Eagles the first, the ball back on first down, but definitely they cannot give up a big play on special teams. Jalen Rager, he's not the best wide receiver. He's not even close to being the best wide receiver, but he's a very fast player and he can run by you. So I think the Cowboys need to. They cannot get complacent on special teams. They got to always be prepared. And because if they if they're not prepared, then they can turn this can turn into a uh, Deshaun Jackson situation where he runs by the New York Giants defense and all of a sudden the Eagles are winning the game and not the New York Giants. Um, last thing, last thing I want to say for that, um, for just the breakdown and how I think the Cowboys can win the game is just, um, they need, we need to score touchdowns. So, I think a very important key to winning this football game is the scoring touchdowns early and often. I think if the Cowboys can get in the red zone, red zone and score, take advantage of those, it will put pressure on the Eagles def- Eagles offense to respond, and especially with a young quarterback like Jalen Hurts who does turn the football over. He's going to try things he shouldn't, and then we can capitalize. So I think if we can get out ahead early and cut, make the margin, margin of the score maybe 17 at halftime, we should be a very in a very good position to win, so that's just that's what my thoughts on the game and what I think our game plan should be for week three. It's a very
1: good, very much more detailed than mine. So, do you want to get into predictions and then some over unders?
0: Absolutely.
1: Okay, so my game plan, my game prediction is 35 thirty five twenty seven Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> oh wow! I, wow! I, I, I just don't like. Like there, there are there are two trains of thoughts. Either Jalen Hurts just has a field day, or or he stinks, and I don't really know because as of right now he's been great. But at some point in time the Eagles are going to equal because there have been many seasons where they have started off five and zero and then have lost nine games in a row. Okay. So they're a very streaky team, kind of like the New York Yankees.
0: But huh. Um,
1: huh. hopefully,
0: huh. New York Yankees. Ho- huh.
1: Hopefully, I'm wrong, but I don't, I don't really, I don't think that the defense is going to be able to get away with the bend don't break because they haven't played a mobile quarterback yet, and Herbert is more mobile than Brady. I mean, anyone's more mobile than Brady, but I don't know if they, they we don't have an experienced defensive end, and our most experienced defensive end is Randy Gregory, and he hasn't played a full season ever so at least with d law like i can put hope in him that if Hertz keeps it that he won't be an idiot and keep on rushing that he'll be able to pull away i don't think i don't think randy has played against enough actual football and against good runners of the football to to be able to, to disengage and I think that's going to be a disaster. Hopefully, Dan Quinn can. Maybe may, maybe he can. Maybe he maybe you know because I, I know sometimes for different quarterbacks they they have other like they have like all like sometimes if you have a really tall wide receiver you'll have him be a mock I don't know Mike Williams. Hopefully they'll have Ben DiNucci be a mock Jalen Hurts and just have him have him run the ball for an hour and a half because he can he can run. It's one of the only things he can do. But I'm just not confident in this game, which is not good because if they lose this game, then I'm not confident in the fact that they're going to be able to go up, that they're going to be able to beat Carolina, given, like I said before, how good the defensive line is and how eh Sam Darnold is, but how great CMC is.
0: Yeah, I am shocked like actually shocked that you are picking the Philadelphia Eagles. So shocked that I'm I had the, the sunglasses Cowboys, back on. I had
1: the Cowboys to win in the past two season, like calendar breakdowns, but I didn't expect them to to I mean week one they were good, week two they were bad, and hurts. I I don't think that if Keanu Neal plays then I will give you a better score prediction. But if he does not play, I don't entrust I don't entrust Jalen Smith to be able to keep up with a turtle on a slant route because somehow Jalen will will run around and act like the ball is fifty yards down the field. <laughs> I'm I don't think that there, I I don't think that one of the only issues with Trayvon Diggs' game is that he's not good against speedy wide receivers. Well. All of the Eagles' wide receivers are track stars. So I don't really know what's going to happen in that department. And the only player that, that's really fast on our on our cornerbacks is Jordan Lewis, who kind of looks good, kind of looks horrendous sometimes. I was really happy when they drafted him; he was great for Michigan. But I don't, I don't really know. I I think it's going to be a down to the wire game, kind of like it was a few years ago when Amari caught the tipped pass in overtime. I don't think it's going to be that intense.
0: I just don't have faith. Yeah. So I think, I think one of the, I'm glad you touched on the wide receivers for Philly because I think that that's going to be that matchup between Anthony Brown and Jordan Lewis is going to be the difference in the ball game because if they can show that they can somewhat stay with those wide receivers who are not great by any means they, Jalen Rager. We don't even know if he's a serviceable wide receiver at this point. But if the, if Anthony Brown cannot stay with Jalen Rager, then I don't I don't know what to say at that point. He he should not be on the field. So this is a very big game for him in the sense that if he plays well, he holds on to that starting position a little bit longer. If he doesn't, then they're rushing Kelvin Joseph back or throwing in Naishon Wright. Neishon so, Wright is
1: he's like 6'3". There's no way he's going to be able to cover these guys. Also, Rager went to TCU. So I don't really know how his football if it's in a transit all that well.
0: Well, that's I'm. That's a TCU I think. Joke. Yeah, he has. He, Rager has had those big plays this year. He had that deep touchdown, and then I think a touchdown that was called back, something like that. But I just think that the receipt our corners need to be ready to to match yeah. up with the with these guys. Yeah. I think. I'm gonna. I'm actually going to take the Cowboys. I'm gonna take the Cowboys twenty-seven to twenty. I think that if I believe that they are gonna, they have a lot. The Eagles have a lot more holes than the Cowboys do on their team at this moment. I think that Dallas should be able to get whatever they want on offense from when it comes to Philly, and I like the Cowboys um, safety safety room enough to to think that they can hold their own. I think they they have a lot of great safeties back there um, that can all be serviceable and that are all not they're gonna take advantage of keeping everything in front of them. I think if the Cowboys keep um, the receivers in front of them they should be able to win the game. don't give Jalen hurts any shot plays for quick touchdowns because that's we don't want his confidence up if they can if they can keep his confidence low, then the Cowboys should win the game. So I'm going to take Cowboys 27, okay. Eagles 20.
1: So for the last segment, I'm going to do some over-unders. If you have any over-unders, we can go look for
0: there. Okay. Um, Zeke and
1: Tony Pollard both rush for a combined 150 yards over-under. And if you say
0: under, how many do you think they'll get around? I'm going to say over and say 162 is their okay. number.
1: Dak over-under 300. Under,
0: under 262.
1: (laughs) I love the specific answers. CD over, under 80 yards. Over. Dak over, under three touchdowns.
0: Under, two touchdowns.
1: Dak over, under two picks. It's a tough one.
0: Under, one pick, one fumble.
1: Totone, I like the way you I like the way you think <laughs> does Hertz give up his first touch interception in his sophomore year if yes so to who
0: yes he's gonna throw it to does
1: Diggs get three picks in three games or does KZ get three to tu- get three turnovers
0: in three games?
1: These are some decisions we gotta work on. Here. I'm
0: gonna I'm gonna answer both of those questions. I'm gonna say that Hertz does throw an interception. I'm gonna say he throws it to KZ mm-hmm. and I'm gonna say that Diggs does not get his third interception.
1: Okay, fair, fair. uh Zeke over under a touch do you think he's gonna score a touchdown?
0: Yes. Hey, um,
1: hurts over under 70 rushing yards.
0: I'm going to say over
1: Devonta Smith over under 65 passing yards or uh, receiving yards over. Okay. Now, if you have any, you can, you can go from here. If not. I have a marketing
0: I have a management class to go to in 20 minutes so All right I'm going to say experience. my my only my only over under question over under 3 penalties on special teams
1: Under I'm going to say it's going to be a clean game
0: awesome. all the special teams I love it Well that's going to do it for us today yeah, um, if
1: if Dallas does loses, um, Ray and I will wear all black and we will get new sunglasses, all black, and all we will black. Be very sad. Yes, if they we win. We will have to get Hawaiian t shirts and be happy with our Cabo. But well, we, we we
0: we can't do that because Ka- Hawaii equals Cabo, which means oh. no postseason. Then we will have to wear.
1: We will figure something out. We will we'll
0: figure see. it out, but Watch
1: that's what. I was just going to say tune into the game. May obvious turn tune into the game. Tune into the Twitter. Ray has officially taken over the Twitter as of like a month and a half ago. I America's team PC and he will be live tweeting. He took a bit of we, we took a bit of a break last last weekend. It was test weekend. It will not happen again until next round of tests. And I am looking forward to seeing what Ray has to say over this big division matchup. Ray, Anything else you want to say?
0: Yeah. Um. Twitter is a very great way for me to say to express my joke, my jokes about the Cowboys secondary. So definitely tune in to my live, um, game day tweets. But that re- I'm really excited for Week Three of the NFL. Thank you everyone for spending time with us th- this Thursday. Thanks, Xavier, for the question. Thank you, Alex, for the compliment. Um and just any any other day anyone is listening to this on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Anchor, etc. Thank you for spending time with us. Like Owen said, you can find us on America's Team capital P capital C Twitter and then also on Instagram all about America's Team. And we look forward to to the game upcoming on Monday getting to hear what Peyton and Eli have to say about our team and I'm, I'm Ray Nickens, the speaker of ob- Objectivity, joined with Owen De Chico, And we will see you next week to break down this, this game. Have a great rest of your day, everybody, and go Cowboys.
1: Go Cowboys. Thank you for the comment, Gianna. It was a great show, and we look forward to next week's. Go Cowboys, ladies and gentlemen. Yes.